social media for beautiful food and inspiration. Welcome to Down Ballot. 
We're making our triumphant return after a week off. I'm producer Dave, and you can find me damn near anywhere. And this is the councilman. Can you hear me? Dude, the fucking that preamp on that that preamp makes such a big difference. You know, three right? o'clock, you said, right? Three o'clock. Yeah, it sounds so much. Oh my god, it sounds so much better. That's beautiful. Well, uh, welcome everyone. This is the councilman. You can find me on Twitter at t h e underscore councilman. Uh, you can also find me as Hanselman on Facebook. Uh, I noticed that some of you didn't know who the heck that was when I friended you, but don't worry, I'm not a bot. I am a real person, even though that blonde dude in the picture is definitely not me. Just FYI. Uh, you can find us also uh, at EchoplexMedia.com, where you can go to learn all about all of the streams that producer Dave and all of the wonderful uh, hosts at Echoplex do on a weekly basis. You can also find out about our Patreon and our Twitch channel. And, you know, obviously give us all the subscribes and give us all the money because we're just going to use it for, you know, hookers and beer. Or equipment and rent. Whatever. that too i mean yeah more <laughs> practical shit to actually keep us on the air that kind of thing you're right you're right we and uh, you know we both have gainful employment or we could if we wanted to so you know it'd be great if we could do this full time so please you know, give us more of your show bucks every dollar counts it's the end of the year we're not a non-profit but you know taxes <laughs> taxes <laughs> you can claim it as a business expense right you need uh, you need our show to keep you informed to do your jobs well whatever your job might be I should just claim this whole show is a business expense. Yeah, I think, well, you definitely should. I, uh, but then again, you might, then you'd have to like, you know, be on record with the IRS and Echoplex would be a, a known entity. Who knows? Who knows what could happen after that? So a couple quick announcements. One, everybody, if you're here late, late, late tonight, I'm going to be here a while. I'm in, <clears throat> playing another charity event at midnight, our time, midnight Pacific. Um, nice. It is for uh, DJ hate more. They're a, uh, studio got broken into and all their shit got stolen so harsh so we're trying to raise some money to get all their stuff back up a dj star noir is involved in that dj kenzie fire is involved in that and the good people at uh ebm worldwide are putting it on it's a three-day event you can uh, find information about it i don't know in the ebm worldwide discord i don't know dm me about it if you need to know who's playing i'll tell you who's playing uh the person raiding into me seems to have a pretty good following plus the raid that they got from the person before them so we should have a pretty good crowd here around midnight i'll be playing some breaks tonight getting a little bit low because all these people have ever heard me play as house music so i gotta gotta show them a little gotta show them a little something also um tomorrow we're doing a bit of an idw year in review on the intellectual dollar tree <clears throat> so if you have any um if you have any sort of great stuff about the idw that happened or not so good stuff that happened make sure you uh drop it in the discord in the idw uh discord channel and then on uh friday we decided not to go out because it looks like going out's a bad idea so we have an event going on we have so far booked i have chris sonko i have juan maserati doing a keyboard jam i got johnny corn doing some comedy i got justin freaking doing a comedy uh fucking like a stand-up bit whoa snap I got Patty K of the Ruffies popping by to play a set. Might have John Renna coming through. And um, God, there's got to be some, I'm missing somebody. I'm forgetting somebody. Oh, me. I'm closing it out. I'll be spinning when the when it turns into uh, 2022. So that's Friday night. We're going from 7 until late. That's 7 p.m. Pacific till late. So we'll be able to get the East Coast. We'll be able to hit everybody's New Year's, basically. So everybody in the United States, their New Year's. Except maybe the Hawaiian people. If the Hawaii people get their New Year's, Wait a minute. Yeah, if the Hawaii people get their New Year's when I'm still alive, then I've been I've been doing this for too long. And there's no reason for that. Well, good news. Hawaii is only uh, because they don't uh, honor daylight savings time. They are only two hours uh, behind us, so it would you'd only have to stay up until two a.m. Well, I have goals. Then I have goals, and they're goals. They're goals. 
I will try to join you for at least uh, Central or Midwest time. Um, I'm, I'm predisposed for the Eastern uh, midnight, but uh, I will be popping in as, as available. And I'll probably, I might bring the good wife with me if she's feeling up to it. Yeah, yeah, because between the acts, we'll be doing a little panel discussion and stuff, so you guys are welcome to pop cool. on, or feel free to just hang out in the chat if you'd rather do that than uh, put your faces on the screen, whatever, whatever. She might, she might lurk. She likes to get all salty in the chat, so. Oh, good, good. Well, we should probably get going with this show because we always end yeah. up running out of fucking time. <laughs> so there's so much good shit. All right. Um, <clears throat> what do we got for leading off? Well, it's a story that uh, you and I have been covering for uh, many, many weeks and months now, it seems like, uh, and it's... Uh, it's still frothing up to a head. Um, not much is happening over the holiday season, but uh, uh, this is the story of the Los Gatos mom who was throwing the crazy teen sex parties. That and, I would have uh, attended if I was a Los Gatos teen. Correct. So the, <laughs> this is the, uh, we've, and we've discussed how, um, you know, it was reported, but not, you know, uh, not cracked down upon or not, uh, not, not kiboshed uh, earlier. Um, and you guessed, I think astutely that it was probably because there were some VIP kids here, like football players or p kids of famous parents, things like that, um, who were preventing uh, police or school officials from or not preventing, but uh, inhibiting, shall we say, them from taking action uh, because of their uh, largesse. So uh, this is actually uh, NBC investigative unit did a uh, interviewed some parents uh, of some teens who were at these parties who had reported the incident. And they are taking the school and the police to task. So we're going to see. I don't know how much we want to watch this. It's a longer report, but let's let's roll it and see see how it goes. Six minutes is forever in the now space. It is true. You can pause at any time, and we can jump in and critique. There's a lot of layers to the story. For the first time, we are hearing from the two women whose complaints led to O'Connor's arrest. They spoke exclusively with our investigative reporter, Candace Wynn. Candace is with us now. Candace, they believe, those women, that these parties could have been stopped much sooner, correct? That's correct, Raj. I've also obtained the police report in this case. It's right here. It indicates up to 20 underage teens were involved, many of the alleged victims, girls. The mothers who took part in this investigation say Los Gatos High School and police were incompetent and allowed O'Connor to endanger more kids. The way she contacted these kids and, and the lies she told the kids to tell their parents, it was so... Uh, sophisticated. She hurt my daughter. This will be forever part of my daughter's life. These mothers say Shannon O'Connor used booze, sex, and bullying to groom their underage daughters for her son and friends. They're not revealing their identities because that would reveal their children. I've heard some people say, as a parent, how could you have not known your kids are going to these parties? Well, first of all, I would say that I ask myself those questions, too. You don't know what you don't know. She's picking up your kid. And known unknowns, known knowns, known unknowns and unknown knowns. Trying to, to, to actually target divorced families so there's a little more confusion. In their first television interviews, the women are sharing their experiences with Los Gatos High School and the Los Gatos Montesoreno Police Department. Earlier, we showed you this mother's complaint to the school in December 2020 telling them O'Connor was supplying alcohol to underage kids. Then we showed you this mother's email to authorities in February, where she warned of children being injured and non-consensual sex between the teens. She sent Los Gatos High and police detailed write-ups on O'Connor's alleged party scheme, complete with contact information of other parents and potential victims. 
But it would take another eight months for O'Connor to be arrested. During that time, prosecutors say more children were victimized, resulting in now 42 criminal charges against O'Connor, including child endangerment and sexual battery. They didn't believe me and they didn't believe my daughter. It makes me sick because they could have stopped it. So I was told that there was an um, a officer, Michelle Viviano, who was handling this case. And she was like, oh, you know, once this even goes to the DA, even all this work you've done, it probably won't go anywhere. She told you that, yeah. a police detective. Yes, yes. A couple of months into the investigation, one mom says she asked to see the police report and the department released it to her prematurely, possibly compromising the investigation. So the DA had to re-interview every <laughs> minor victim in this case between, I think it was June and October, to finally have enough information to have over um, 39 felony counts to arrest her. So it prolonged it by months and months. Yeah, it prolonged it by at least five months, in which time she was still predating on children. The mothers shared the finalized police report with the investigative unit. It reveals more allegations in the case. A girl telling her parents O'Connor vetted underage girls for parties, saying she can't come because she doesn't put out. Then fearful of being caught, O'Connor harassed a child on Snapchat, saying, I'm going to spread rumors about you. During the parties, a drunk child reportedly broke her hand, and a boy was left standing in the dark on the streets without shirt or shoes, wet from the pool. If I hadn't come forward, there would either have been a suicide if a kid got isolated or, you know, harassed by her. There could have been a pregnancy. Um, there could have been a death because she let these kids get inebriated and drive her car. We reached out to police, including Detective Viviano, as well as Los Gatos High School. In a statement, the Los Gatos Police spokesperson said they take these cases seriously and devote resources immediately, but did not address any of the mother's actual complaints. Los Gatos High School's principal also sent a statement saying they knew about a criminal and child protective investigation last spring, months before O'Connor's arrest. But the information was... This is as good a place as any to stop because they're rehashing some old details and giving some yeah. new details. Yeah, the parent, the parent, uh, parents on record, I think, is the most important thing here. And well, um, I mean, on record, insofar as like you're going to believe that the news is going to vet that person and make sure that's not like a fake person because you can't see their face. So yeah, this like <clears throat> this like runs like a foul of something <clears throat> that I think like <clears throat> some parents do that is good. I think some parents find out their kids are drinking and smoking pot, and they're like, "Hey, we really wish you wouldn't do this, but here's our garage. Do this in our garage so you don't get arrested." Your friends, yeah. oh, I, your friends stay the night if people have been drinking. Hundred percent. I had that. My mom actually had us on that exact, like she word for word, right? She didn't even mince words about it. Like, she had, you know what? You want to do that shit, whatever. Uh, but we have a garage for that. Don't do it in the fucking house. Well, don't know, <laughs> but like, it's like don't go out driving around and, doing yeah, this. Go, yeah, yeah, and don't, no need to go out and, and endanger <laughs> yourself, right? We have a space for that. Just don't do it in the house. And I won't. I will look the other way. So the problem here is that that's not what happened. She was like, you know what? Let's let's turn this up to 26. Let's exactly. let's make this an illegal operation where we are uh, possibly grooming and trafficking the, the fucking girls in our community instead of like if you want to if you want to do this, do it here so you don't get in trouble. Yeah, I mean that's that's the only thing. I mean just from reading the story and hearing the testimony and hearing what happened, that's all I can imagine is that there's some sort of profitability here for her or some sort of value for her to do this other than, you know, being a sex fiend or something. I don't know or just or just really addicted to watching young kids have sex. I don't know, could be, right? Um 
sounds like she was trying to help her son get laid. Yes. <laughs> Maybe he has a little trouble in that department. I don't know. Um, but I don't want to judge. Uh, so there's definitely that factor. But I don't know that. I mean, I'm not a parent as of now. Um, so I don't know how far I would go to make my child happy. Um, I like to think that it would stop somewhere between, you know, getting them a happy meal and, you know, providing them with a, a venue for wild, crazy sex parties. But, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, you know, one day I'll, I'll think differently. Yeah. We're keeping an eye on this because these are parties I would have attended. <laughs> definitely not the parties I, I went to. I was, a, I was a good boy. Um, I went to cast parties and we drank Coca-Cola after midnight. It was exciting. We did. We played the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I mean, that's the kind of shit I did when I was in high school. Honestly, the councilman really, was wholesome. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't really get buck wild until I got to college. I blame. I blame. You know, my university for all that. All right. Anyway, so, uh, well, we're going to move on into late. our favorite segment. It's winners and losers, and the reason uh, it's our favorite segment is because there are no winners, and on the off chance someone's wins, it's just not who you're rooting for. It's usually the loser. Right, it's usual. Well, it's just the the wrong person. The wrong person tends to win these these things. Correct. So, so what's uh, what's up with our first story in winners and losers? That's a fabulous question. Well, uh, so uh, our mayor here in San Jose um, is certainly trying to make a name for himself, as we all know, um, for whatever's coming next. Um, I tend to think it's Congress in some way, um, and I think that now that the new district lines are drawn. I think he's going to start to um, really uh, double down uh, on trying to win a congressional seat at some point in the near future. Um, and he's trying to nationalize himself. So he's inserted himself into the, the narrative around COVID and vaccines by calling for not just all city employees to be you know, vaccinated, but all of them to have all of us to have our boosters. Right. Uh, so uh, he's issued a new directive and we're going to hear more about it from our, our local news team at KPIX five. We're following major developments this evening. New data shows just how fast the contagious Omicron variant is spreading here in the Bay Area. According to Stanford's virology lab, around 71% of COVID samples are of the Omicron variant. That number is from over the weekend. Now, like one look at the White House right now. Today, President Excellent. Biden announced new efforts to combat a... Right, if you didn't know what, what was up, you'd think that the, 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 the weather report on the bottom left was actually the virus sweeping over the fucking Bay Area. <laughs> 11 a.m. Here's where it is. It's in it's in San Francisco. This is in the U.S. And San Jose may become the first in the nation to require all city workers be vaccinated and boosted before entering city-owned facilities. KPIX 5's Andrea Borba has more on why the mayor is proposing the booster mandate. Mayor Licardo said with Omicron spreading fast, time was of the essence to put this booster mandate into action. With the Omicron variant now accounting for 73% of all new COVID-19 cases in the U.S., San Jose Mayor Sam Licardo wants all city employees to not only be fully vaccinated, but boosted. We lack the benefit of time. And we need to move quickly. His proposal would put the deadline for a booster at the end of January. As it stands now, 95% of the city of San Jose's workforce is fully vaccinated. A total of six employees have received notice of intended discipline for not getting their shots. Three have been suspended a week without pay thus far. The mayor's suggestion thus far doesn't line up with federal and state guidelines. The CDC hasn't yet announced that fully vaccinated is three doses. Have you consulted with the CDC, Santa Clara Department of Public Health? 
The question is, what are we going to do to protect our workforce, to protect our community? Uh, and I think we can all see where the hockey puck, hockey puck is going, and we should be skating there rather than where the puck is. The proposal would also mandate kind of all over that analogy there. to get into large city-owned venues like the SAP Center. Miguel Hernandez is on board. Well, you, you can enjoy the game more not having to worry about if somebody has, you know, they're more likely to have COVID if, if they're not vaccinated and boosted. As is Rocco Cerigliano. I lost my oldest daughter to the pandemic. I think that's enough. We don't need to lose anyone else. So let's all get behind the mayor and let's do the job. Mayor Licardo's proposal will go before the Rules Committee on January 5th and then likely before the full council on January 11th. In San Jose, Andrea Borba, KPIX5. I don't know. I think he's probably just getting ahead of the thing. I don't think that, I mean, I don't know if he was, if he wasn't so politically ambitious, he might be doing the same thing. Uh, true, true. Um, you know, the, the the fact that the local press and the national press actually was covering it, um, and I know his press office reached out about it, um, certainly draws attention to it. It's it's one of those things where it's the right thing to do um, and also uh, helps to, you know, improve your name ID and your, um, your uh, awareness of people of you as a leader, right, as a, uh, someone who's not afraid to take charge and be the first out the gate. Um, anyway, but, uh, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, well, just real quick, shout out to the old guy. That old guy was great. Yeah. I feel, I feel awful. Um, uh, if he, uh, since he lost it, uh, his, he lost his oldest daughter. Um, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have to bury any of your kids. So that's just awful. And too many people have had to with this disease already. So yeah, get your boosters. I'm getting mine tomorrow. I'm really excited about it. Um, I think everyone should, I think this actually, I, I might've misspoken earlier. This might, this does not just apply to employees, but I think this applies to anyone going into a public facility. So if you're going to city hall, if you're going to, I think even SAP center, this would apply, uh, technically since that's a city owned facility. Um, so if you're going to see a charts game, you might want to, you know, make sure you got your booster by, I think, uh, he would, I think he's calling for the end of the month, end of January. Uh, yeah. But it has to be approved by the council first. Right up until the holiday, it was kind of a pain in the ass to even find a convenient, uh, appointment like convenient for yeah. me because it's dense over here on this side of town so like there's more people here and the <clears throat> the sites are like smaller um but i'm gonna definitely uh, after the first of the after the first of the year if i haven't found a convenient one then i'm just going to go to an inconvenient one i i don't know what the best site is for a, a booster shot i know that um you know kaiser has a lot of locations I well think right but i mean like by you like if i'm just going to take an inconvenient one somewhere it doesn't matter what the best one is at that point right that's true that's true. Like convenient yeah. for me is like nearby. <laughs> like right. Yeah. There's a there's a facility I think nearby. I can I'll send you some links. And stuff. The public health department has a good list. Um, but yeah, it I, it's usually takes about two weeks. It looks like now, in some good cases, maybe ten days, um, to get an appointment. So it took maybe I'll find a maybe I'll, maybe I'll find a walk up clinic. Fuck that. Yeah, I made mine in like a month. My appointment almost a month ago. So um, I've had a. And that's just through my provider, so that's probably why. Anyway, Gavin Newsom wants all the school children to get a COVID test, but this seems okay. This seems stupid because, like, it's just one COVID test. <laughs> like, do you know what I'm saying? Like, the, yes. the the nature of the virus is such that if you take one COVID test, like tomorrow, yes, I think the I, I, we can watch the the clip. I think the idea was that kids would take it home over the break, and then they would test themselves before they come back right like the day before or the day of or something like that so but but i, th I think but let's watch let's watch damien on the clip here damien trujillo from nbc bay area 
me they'll be extra cautious with their holiday celebrations this year and that means smaller parties to prevent the spread of COVID. Shoppers are packing their baskets with all the ingredients they need for their holiday get-togethers. For many, it's a smaller grocery list again this year. We're just keeping it within the household, just trying to keep each other safe. Um, a lot of our relatives aren't from like in-state, so we just we're just keeping to ourselves. The full dosing is a third dose. And that's why the booster is so important. At an Oakland news conference today, the governor outlined new steps to battle the coronavirus. He's making it mandatory for all health care workers to get the booster shot. He also plans to expand hours for state testing facilities to increase capacity. The governor is also giving schools up to six million home testing kits to help ensure as many students as possible test before they return from the winter break. We want to make sure they come back in as good a shape as they left meaning we want to make sure uh, that we are testing our kids and preparing them to come back in-person instruction. Many Bay Area school districts like Allen Brock already gave students these orange boxes containing two antigen rapid tests inside. They applaud today's announcement by the governor. Testing is going to be very, very important. And now with the expansion uh, the governor's provided, we look forward to continue to provide those opportunities. For most districts, the student home tests are voluntary. Schools like those in Alum Rock hope most all families will take advantage of the tests to make sure they and their classmates are safe when they return to class in January. In San Jose, Damien Trujillo, NBC Bay Area News. Damien. Fuck, dude. <clears throat> they don't want to hear this, but I'm going to say it again. Shut everything down. Give everybody $2,500 a month. Tell everybody to stay home for a few weeks or a month and then see what happens. It's not a bad idea. Um, I do think we have to get used to this just being a long haul kind of a, uh, you know, life changing uh, experience. Um, it's, it's, it's uh, to me, I've, I've heard, and I've heard this analogy before, uh, but obviously, you know, nine 11 um, certainly changed a lot about the way we travel at the very least. Right. Um, right, but that was stupid. It was. It was. <laughs> I don't, I don't, like, it this was. isn't like 9-11. 9-11 was like a, I, a singular event, and this is like... But it's. I, I think the response to this is going to is going to be similar to... It's going to have to be similar to that, because I don't think... Unless, and of course, people... I mean, it's stupid. It's stupid. What's stupid is that there's so many people that just refuse to get vaccinated and to just follow some real basic parameters um, because of just stubborn, you know, independent streak or whatever, or just being freaking looney tunes i don't care frankly um but it, that's what's stupid um so in response to that we're going to be dealing with this for quite a while like in the we didn't respond to it early enough soon enough and effectively enough and i think we're going to be dealing with some form of uh you know mandates and and uh protocols for quite a while um from my point of view but i, I it just it just seems that way i i don't see, Every, we keep talking about oh we're rounding the bend and you know things are coming down and then there's another variant and then and there's always going to be another variant as long as this virus is circulating right it's like the flu um the flu is the same way the flu functions the same way it just doesn't kill as many people or as effectively as this does um so i i do think we're going to be having to think about more longer term you know um steps and solutions and everyone getting comfortable with you know re with regulations and a certain amount of risk in certain activities we're so fucked we're 
We might be. Um, school, but schools, at, at in and of themselves, I mean, that's the easiest super spreader, right? Because you've got, especially with kids who can probably withstand the virus itself and the, the effects of the virus, right? But they're perfect transmitters. Um, and because they'll maybe even go without sim- being symptomatic, right? They can run around and infect a whole bunch of people. So school, schools, frankly, should be on the list, but they're not on this list of the, the folks that, uh, the workers that the governor or local local authorities are mandating to be boosted and update their vaccines. It's mostly healthcare, uh, pub, you know, uh, jails, people with really close contact with people who are moving in and out, um, and homeless shelters. Yeah, they've been they've been watching all the people going to the school board meetings. They don't want fucking the school board people getting shot because mm-hmm. they do a fucking mandate. Like, yeah, yeah, it's 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 and they're they're their own little fiefdoms too. So, uh, generally speaking. Uh, when it comes to local control, school boards tend to have quite a bit of it. Um, maybe not over their funding, but over their policies and procedures, definitely. Uh, so yeah, they would they would resist, and they were, and of course, as we've already seen, you know, union the public school unions would resist in some way too to defend the a real extreme minority of their members who are just going to refuse to get the shot. So we're going to skip this, and the 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 kids got the take home tests. Yeah, Kind of caught that at the end of the last clip. So yeah, I think, yeah. Uh, no, that's that's fine. Um, I did want to mention that um, one of the things that's the problem is right here on our list of un, our list of things that's being uh, suggested to us. It's these people in a wooden room. Cancer cancel culture tactics being used against unvaccinated. They're telling all these people now that don't want to get vaccinated. It's some kind of fucking civil rights issue and shit. And like, and that's like <clears throat> that's not the only reason we're in the situation we're in, but it's certainly one of them. It's because YouTube. Yeah, the narrative is being encouraged, right? Um, and it's not, or, or at least it's not being discouraged. Well, it's certainly being suggested to us, isn't it? Right. Well, because we're talking, you know, we've, we've, we've been watching these clips. I got a, actually, yeah, when I looked one up, I think I got a, some sort of notice. Like, you know, this, this clip has, talks about COVID-19. Are you aware of all the facts? Here's a link to the CDC website. Would you like to proceed to the video? I'm like, uh, yes. You're like, this is my local news. Where's this on the fucking actual misinformation, you dumb fucks? Right. Exactly. This is supposed to be, supposed to be the, the facts. All right. So what's and, up in the uh, tenderloin? Well, uh, we saw some, uh, two weeks ago our, on our last episode, we saw some raw footage of, because uh, it was very fresh that day, of Mary London Breed calling for a state of emergency in the Tenderloin um, to cl- basically clean the joint up. It's, uh, it's, uh, people are mad because they're having to step over people who are unfortunately living on the streets. Um, some of them, you know, doing uh, drugs, shooting up, leaving their, their needles out on the streets, right? And then pooping on the streets and all that, all the fun stuff we hear about in San Francisco all the time. The Tenderloin continue, tends to get picked on uh, a lot uh, because uh, it, it you know, just has a higher frequency of, of this kind of activity because it's downtown and because it's around a lot of other things, right? So um, it just tends to get picked on and then, uh, and called out. And the mayor, for whatever reason, I, you know, allegedly there is a crisis uh, has has decided to call a state of emergency and ask the board of supervisors to, to help her declare one, which would allow them basically to send more cops in to clean the place up. Nothing, nothing uh, secures your position as a leader like a state of emergency. Anyway, we're hearing more about it from a uh, KPIX five. 
today and all of Thursday night, but with an 8-2 to two vote this morning, the San Francisco Board of Supervisors signed off Mayor London Breed's emergency declaration for the Tenderloin. The mayor wants to use police to stop drug dealers and move addicts toward a new treatment facility. KPX5's Wilson Walker on where things go from here. Over the course of that 10-hour meeting, a lot of people, both sides of the vote, made a point to acknowledge that the situation here is unacceptable, a disaster, pick your word. No, it's just the tenderloin. It's always been like this. It's fine. And no one is really sure what is going to happen it's next. kind of what you come to expect in the tenderloin, right? Still figuring that out. I think I know what's going on here. I think the fucking, the tenderloin is resisting gentrification via shit on the street and they don't like it yes oh yeah there's a, it's hard for developers to come in and you know flip uh, flip properties and turn them into mid-rises and high-rises if uh yeah if people don't want if, if it's a undesirable if you've got people living in, or people on the streets in front of your building it's hard to increase your property values but that's just what the fuck the tenderloin is it is. It is absolutely. It's what a lot of our cities used to be and have been. Um, and, uh, and if anything, the gentrification in other neighborhoods throughout San Francisco and elsewhere in the Bay Area and other cities in the Bay Area and California, the United States, um, the gentrification is forcing, I think, these uh, uh, you know folks and people and cultures and you know uh, groups that you know have nowhere else to go into these neighborhoods that are still just, you know, relative enclaves. Um, and it's, it, yeah, it concentrates the situation. It makes it more noticeable. Um, and yeah, it's, it's like, it's sort of like a big brother coming in and squeezing out the last drops, right? Like they've, they've got the mop, they're squeezing it out and it's getting the last two drops out of it. So they can have their way and sop up all the dollars. You know, the Sunday event at Pride, some of the streets that it goes down, like during the festival, are in the Tenderloin. And mm -hmm. it's fine. <clears throat> I wonder if the police go through in there and clear everybody out, or if people just leave because there's... Well, uh, like, I don't yeah, know. And it's not, it's, not like you're, well, it's not like you're hearing about assault or, you know, uh, murders or violent activity every night or even every week or one, you know, it, really not all that often. It's just, oh, it's it's unfortunate that my daughter or someone had to step over, you know, as we were heading to Union Square to do some shopping at freaking F.A.O. Schwartz or whatever, that she had to step over uh, an unhoused person who, uh, you know, uh, was impeding her way and shooting up his heroin. Um, somebody should somebody should maybe get these people together and have them go take a dump somewhere on Union Square. <laughs> maybe. Fine. Flash mob, flash mob of people taking a dump. Forget, forget robbery, right? Just right, drop trow and I, poop right in the middle, in the middle of the intersection. Yeah, I just feel like it's such an odd thing. It's it's like almost a very San Jose thing of them to do to like, to like try to get rid of the city from their city. Oh yeah, oh very much so. And San Jose really never even had that kind of city, right? When it came down to it, um, they've, they're trying. What San Jose is trying to do is to make sure it never happens. Too late, but. Yeah, <laughs> they uh they've been trying for years to make sure that never be you know never happens at all um but yeah this is it's it's this is what the kind of um friction you're we're gonna have to see for a long time if uh, as um unless we evolve our consciousness but the, as long as capitalism is the overarching value system that we live under 
we're going to see gentrification. We're going to see situations like this where it makes, you know, it's profitable for politicians to come in and say, we're going to clean up the streets, right? What's, uh, you know, there's, there's at least one person running for mayor in San Jose, I think, at least, or two, where it, their top three, you know, taglines, it's like clean city, clean up the city. But those aren't, those things I, don't go together. Right. <laughs> like I've lived in cities. Most right. of, I've lived in cities my entire adult life. And they don't go together. It's not like we're in fucking Sarajevo, right? Like, or, you know, it's not like Mogadishu during, during like the fucking late nineties. You know what I mean? We're fucking San Francisco. Like there's sure. going to be people taking a dump on the street. At least that's not where the cupcake shop is. It's all relative though, right? Like if you live next door to the cupcake shop, right? Um, then it probably feels like Mogadishu to have to step over a homeless person. Um, and of course, you've never been to Mogadishu, and uh, oh, we, you did see the, that five-minute clip of Black Hawk Down. I forgot. Um, you know when we were scanning. Through. No, but you'd swear fucking Black Hawk Down was happening in the tele, the fucking in the Tenderloin because like oh, what they're sure. saying, for you sure. know. Um. Anyway, uh, so yeah, this is again one of those situations where it's an an overreaction uh, in response to and to support more than likely, you know, campaign donors and. Um, voters who turn out to vote because public safety still drives a lot of people to vote. Um, so it's politically advantageous. It's, you know, seemingly, uh, seemingly something to, you know, bold and taking command and cleaning up the city. Um, but we all know what that means. There's undertones to all of it. I'm and, just curious. You know, what, I'm just curious what kind of spin the news is going to put on this. So let's let this let's, ride the rest of the way. Check it out. Ride it. Mary Ellen Carroll, who's the director of the Department of Emergency Management, has been tasked with making this work. She's, she and her people have done, I think, an amazing job uh, during the pandemic, and now they're trying to take on this new public health emergency, and they're going to try to stand up a facility, you know, to serve up to uh, 100 folks, at least initially, and get those folks off the sidewalk and indoors. District 8 Supervisor Raphael Mandelman was one of the eight yes- He's like, no, I'll just take the interview in the Castro, thanks. He's hard in figuring out how to do this legally, how to bring, again, bring the different departments together. Um, that's going to be the hard part. You know, the truth is that we are, we have a united group uh, on our incident management team. But they didn't have to show that, that man like that. Have very disparate views about how to approach these problems. That's the truth. But supporters of the mayor's plan say, in some respects, the challenge is not impossible. Randy Shaw is head of the Tenderloin Housing Clinic. I actually think the discussion and the debate last night made things more complicated than it really is. I mean, ninety percent of the problem is arrest is drug dealers, not drug users, not homeless people, drug dealers. And if they're arrested or they're deterred from being there, you're going to see a vastly improved tenderloin in a very short amount of time. The initial push in the tenderloin will last 90 days. It's expected to start in mid-January. And if nothing else, the mayor has compelled some kind of action on what everyone agrees is a crisis. And for a lot of people, that alone is a significant start. I completely agree. It is a game changer. We've never had the entire city riveted on the Tenderloin. I've never seen the Tenderloin trending, trending on Twitter as it was. Oh, yes, you have. So there you go. That tells you something. Yeah, so she has to do something. But yeah, now she has said she's going to make change. And I think people are going to hold her to it. And but that was just a cigarette. It raises the expectation level. But I think she, she had to do something. 
mayor put a lot of chips down with that speech last week. Now several members of the Board of Supervisors have done the same in their own way. And now the real hard work starts. We will see what that looks like early next year. In San Francisco, Wilson Walker, KPIX5. I'm curious how the rep- what the representative who represents the tenderloin has to say about all this, because they might have been one of the people that voted no. Well, Mr. Matt Haney is uh, running for state assembly now uh, as part of a domino effect with David Chu getting appointed, I think, city attorney, right? Um, so uh, he's running for his assembly seat now. And Matt Haney is the supervisor who represents the Tenderloin quite proudly. I think he even lives, I believe he lives there, actually, in the Tenderloin. Um, so I'm not sure if he was one of the eight who voted in favor of this or the four who voted against it. Um, I have a feeling he was one of the eight, but I'm not, I don't want to say for sure. Um, but I, I would hold out hope that he was one of the four. He tends to fly more on the left side of, uh, the you know, side of things. Um, but, uh, you know, we can, we can certainly look that up. I, he, it, it was interesting that he wasn't all over this because typically like, I think we've seen him before in many, many clips, right? Like you, know, you recall seeing him pop up on any number of clips about San Francisco, um, that we run. And he was not on this clip, um, which is interesting. Raphael Mandelman, remember Man- Mandelman? Um, who is, as you noted, the Castro representative. So you're probably like, hey, would, uh, so have you ever been to the Tenderloin? No, no, not really. I just know we have to do something about it. <clears throat> well, <It's> bad. <clears throat> first thing on Twitter. First thing, and we've been saying this about like every urban area, there's nowhere to go to the bathroom. It's not just unhoused people. Yep. Um, Absolutely. I mean, I don't know how many times I've pissed on the side of a building in San Francisco. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? I'm surprised we don't see more poop on the street in San Jose, honestly. There's really, really no public restrooms and no businesses. There's, there's a few. There are, there are, there's, there's at least one, you know, nice public toilet. Um, but yeah, I know where, I know where three are those the green building things. Mm-hmm. Okay. First, yep. first thing to do to fix the tenderloin, put some of those there. The fancy toilets, man. The ones that people want to use. And then, um, I don't know. Um, I don't like that guy that ran that health center. He's like, arrest all the drug dealers. I'm like, I've seen this show before. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Randy Shaw runs a, uh, or started a blog called Beyond Cron. Um, you can check it out. Uh, generally speaking, decent perspective. Um, I, I just don't, I don't get it how they're buying into all this, um, which is pretty much, it just seems like an excuse to send in more cops and make it, you know, and clean, clean it up, quote unquote, make it more of a police state um, and get it on the road towards, you know, uh, commercial flipping. They're going to do broken windows shit there. That's how, that's what's going to oh, happen. Absolutely. And that's why I, I, I hold that hope that, uh, supervisor Haney was one of the four dissenters because I, I think he, of all people should see right through that bullshit. But that being said, um, he's running for, like I said, he's running for state office. And like I said, people who are all down with public safety and, you know, good, good, responsible white people, who love to hear about how someone's cleaning up a bad neighborhood, um, AKA black and brown people. Um, yeah, they, they turn out to vote too. And the black and brown people don't, fortunately, no matter how hard we try. Well, this, the way the city talks about this place is the same as the way they used to talk about the hate in the Castro, but for completely different reasons. Um, right. the hate was drugs right. and the Castro was people like me. So gays right. and drugs. Exactly. <laughs> Now it's the drug dealers <clears throat> and so, the homeless. So we have a Christmas edition of Get Your Shit Together uh, this week. What's what's up first here? Um, this is Get Your Shit Together, meaning like just 
uh, vandals and just common criminals, right? Like, you know, th there's there's one thing like TPing a house or, you know, knocking over someone's mailbox or, I don't know, even, you know, spray painting something on someone's wall. You know, there's there's some classy ways to be a vandal. And then there's just some really shitty ways to be a vandal <laughs> um, and co totally classless. So we're going to, we're going to meet a couple of those cases right here. It's a do it's a double whammy for get your shit together. So in the first, um, we're going to find out that, and I hope uh, folks don't mind a little secularism. Uh, we're going to find that um, not much is sacred anymore when it comes to holiday decorations. A story you'll see only on NBC Bay Area. South Bay woman has a family heirloom, a nativity scene, stolen right off her front porch overnight. The crime all caught on camera. NBC Bay Area's Ian Cole spoke with the family and explains how a neighbor helped restore their faith in humanity. The Galindo's house in San Jose was all set up for Christmas to welcome family and their son. A Marine. A Marine stationed on the East Coast returning home tonight for the first time in months. But home isn't quite the same. I was very, very upset. Their cherished nativity scene representing the birth of Jesus. Who would steal that? Was stolen right off their front porch. I guess this dude. Thursday morning, this a man dude. caught on camera in plain view fills up his bag with the figurines and takes off on foot. That someone would just have the courage just to walk up and, and take a nativity. I mean, who takes that? <laughs> that is a good question. Video shows an hour later he comes back. This oh my time God! Hat on, <laughs> he's coming back. He's like my hat on. At first, like, you know, calm down. It's fine. <laughs> I said, no, it's not fine. The nativity was passed. It's not funny, but mother, and she hoped to one day give it to her own children. For us, that was the meaning of Christmas. Um, you know, growing up, um, you know, my my parents didn't have a lot, but to us, that was meaningful. She posted the video of the crime on Nextdoor, and hours later, a woman who lives a few miles away showed up with a brand new one, a gift for them, saying she wanted to help. Their son was the only one at home. I was, like, astonished, shocked. I mean, it was quite crazy that someone's actually reaching out to help us. That's really nice. While praying the original is returned, the family is placing this new nativity inside, starting a new tradition that now also represents the kindness of strangers. God, you know, you're, you're showing me something, you know, and I'm grateful. I'm grateful. There are very good people out there, a lot of good people. In San Jose, Ian Cole, NBC, Bay Area News. So there's no black market for nativity scenes, so whoever did that is just a fucking dick, right? Oh yeah, it's taking it for themselves, basically, or for their own their own house. Um, and I love the guy comes back with the hat on and like a different jacket, as though like you know he knows he's on camera, and they'll think, oh, it's just a different, it's a different nativity thief, right? <laughs> um, it's two separate people. My God, he came back. That's the most uh, uh, awful thing here. Um, so good on uh, you know the the uh, person who provided the new nativity. That's fantastic. Um, and that young lady was right, you know, not just for them, like Jesus, the baby Jesus, that's Christmas. It's not, that's what Christmas is all about, uh, you know, in, in, for lack of a better phraseology, <laughs> it's, it's not about the big, you know, hairy white dude in the red suit who comes down the chimney with the gifts, right? Right. Coca-Cola largely invented that guy. Right. And, and now Target and Walmart and uh, Amazon and Jeff Bezos are you know, picking up the 
the, the slack. Um, so yeah, it's not this commercialized holiday that we all uh, love to honor and, and celebrate. Um, it's actually about pretty spiritual event for some folks. Um, so yeah. Like We're even, spent. even that aside, like, that's just like a, that's like the, the guy was just a dick. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, just yeah. like, just total dick he, move. He has got to get his shit together. Um, and this, you know, if, if this is the kind of attitude that's going to prevail out there, we all need to get our shit together. Um, in other news, uh, other, you know, sort of down, <laughs> down ballady, uh, holiday news, um, the city council in a local, uh, city here in San Jose or in, I'm sorry, in the East Bay of the Bay area, um, he's cracking down on a homeowner who had a really fabulous light display going on. Um, but, uh, apparently it's just too much. Popular Christmas light display in Concord is dark tonight. For the last three years, a house on Terrapin Court has dazzled with an elaborate Christmas light display. But after a few neighbors complained about the traffic, the city pulled the plug. As NBC Barrier Sid Hill Quintana tells us, it's a big disappointment for the rest of the neighborhood and the holiday loving homeowners, too. Oh my God. This is oh, video oh, oh, wow. Wow, hold on. I'm going to go back. Look at that shit. You, you got to wait for the close ups. This is some pretty amazing shit. This is like that is amazing. Isn't that fabulous? Looks you should like see the actual house. You should see the actual like the actual house is this little ranch style, you know, how this is all built around the house. This is not the house itself. Like this is actually the elaborate setup that he built. Like if you showed me this, I would say uh looks like Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like small world, right? Right. And it's a small this video a neighbor shared with us of the massive display Eric Hakes usually builds outside his Concord home. He wishes he could have done it again this year. I'm very disappointed. I, you know, looked forward to this. During the height of the pandemic last year, his display became wildly popular, drawing a lot of people and traffic. That turned out to be too much for a few others who live nearby. There's a few grinchy neighbors that called the city and got everything canceled. Earlier this year, the city of Concord sent a certified letter threatening code violations if Hakes put up his display again. According to a city spokesperson, the traffic and height of the displays was a safety concern. The city community relations manager sent us a statement saying, in part, this roadway design, when combined with the number of visitors driving by the display, created significant traffic congestion, which led to numerous complaints being made to the city, mostly by neighbors who live on Terrapin Court or Torino Way. We talked to lots of people throughout the evening, but they complained the display is gone. I'm just so mad. I know. We, we never complain. How has it been each year? Wonderful. And it got better and better and better. And then my mom because would come from Oklahoma. Walk over here. And we'd all come over here. And I mean, he never charged nothing. Nothing. She's one of several people who cruised over expecting to see lights. The house is dark tonight, but that hasn't stopped people from coming by hoping <laughs> to see a display, which unfortunately didn't happen this year. Eric Hakes says he spent upwards of $100,000 on his decorations over the years, and since he couldn't build it this year, he loaned out some of his figurines to more than 30 neighbors so they could carry on the tradition. Do you want to do this next year? I would love to. I'm trying to put some conversation together with the city council and the mayor. To Dude, see if this guy goes and yells at the city council about his Christmas display, fuck yeah. <laughs> we need that on public comment. Rally support from people who enjoyed his displays. He says it's been heartbreaking having to tell so many who have come by to see it that he couldn't turn on his lights this year. In Concord, Sergio Quintana, NBC Bay Area News. So I, I think Juan Maserati could say uh, something about the person who complained. Fuck this dude. 
<laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, thanks neighbors in Concord, and thanks city council for being so so stand up about things and um, stepping up for for something fun in your community, and figuring out how to make it work. Um, hopefully, they will now that it's gotten a little attention. So maybe he'll be able to work something out with the city uh, for next year. <clears throat> but his, you know, that's just what I love about neighbors. These aren't. I guarantee you, these neighbors didn't come over and knock, knock, knock. Hey, bro, how's it going? Um, about your little light display, can we figure something out to make sure that traffic in the neighborhood is cool and people can still enjoy it? No, they just complained. You know, I don't like it. I didn't. I I couldn't get to Seven Eleven or whatever, or to, you know, to I couldn't get to the movies in time or the supermarket because you know people were coming by your house checking out the lights. You know, or I was a minute late to my spa treatment. Um, so I'm going to complain. I'm not going to come over and tell you that. I'm just going to call the police or call public works and complain. Um, and that's just the most base form of, of neighborliness, right? Like just have, you know, have a, have some ganas come over and say, Hey, how's it going? I don't like what you're doing. <laughs> Let's work it out. Um, that's what I would do, but I know, and we know, and anyone who goes on next door for even five seconds these days knows it's just not how most people are. Most people are going to call the cops first <clears throat> and then, or they'll post bed out the next door and then call the cops. So I spent about three days total, like with next door as a thing I would look at because by the third day I was like, you know what? I would like to like the people that live here. And so what I'm going to do is never go to this website again. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, my neighbors, I, my neighborhood on next door is just a miasma of, of just delicious awfulness. Um, and I really hope that I don't meet like Teresa T or Mikey B anytime soon um because they their posts just piss me off <laughs> frankly i really only i only go there for the cute pictures of cats i think the ones I think, that are found not the lost ones i think next door might actually be worse than facebook it's just there's less people there well it's certainly a hive of misinformation like if you tr seriously if look at any like public service announcement um like from a a city council person, right, or a supervisor, they're updating you about something, and they actually don't have the power to have, you know, uh, interactions on Nextdoor. They have to just push information out, and then people can comment all they want. So you get these comment threads on these these public service announcements, and people are going back and forth asking each other questions, don't know the most basic shit about, like, adulting in the world um and it, just have no clue about anything taxes where it goes what you know that it's you know where how they get charged for their their garbage things like these really basic shit that no one actually knows and i know that because they're just asking each other and no one has the answer and everyone's gotten this or someone thinks they know the answer and is misinforming everyone because they don't really have the answer or someone's just a conspiracy loon and they're spreading their conspiracy theory too that's like true also also true for EG in the last redistricting um, uh, map making process that was most recently concluded uh, in cities and counties locally here um, and elsewhere, um, you know, I saw a lot of commentary going back and forth about entire neighborhoods that were moved between council districts that weren't moved at all, actually. Um, so, you know, there's just, there's, there's a lot of a lot of heated, uh, garbled talk out there, especially on next door. So be careful, be mindful. I will one day write a short story strictly out of the email subject lines I get on my next door notifications though. So fun. before we move on, who do you dislike more the nativity thief or the first person who called the city about this house? 
You're asking me? Yeah. And, and uh, just the, the fucking universe, too, of course. Well, I'm asking the universe. Definitely. It, 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 I, I have to come down on the nativity person. That's just, it's so classless um, to do that. Uh, then again, I think they knew they were on camera. So at the very least, like they have no shame and they're, they're willing to put themselves on camera, right? And just, just go ahead and do it. These other folks, like they're anonymous. They're your, back neighbor, your backyard neighbor who you never see, you've never met. They don't know anything about you. You know nothing about them. And yet they have a problem with you spreading some cheer. It's, cl- I guess it's a little closer than I thought, but I, yeah, I, I can't have any love for the nativity theft thief. Nativity thief. Yeah. I think the nativity thief had a little more gumption, which we generally respect around here, but he went and stole somebody's fucking porcelain or fucking like, like, you know, baby like, Jesus, he like, stole the like, baby Jesus, like clay pot made fucking nativity scene. And the other people are just cowards who, like you said, wouldn't work something out with their neighbor. They just wouldn't do yeah. it. Yeah, and they're, they're trash. But at this per- this guy, like, that's awful. That's really awful. Typically, I would, yeah, call the neighbor. All right. Well, uh, moving on down ballot. Um, I think this is a quick hit on uh, Theranos because I don't believe there's a verdict yet. They took a little Christmas break for the the jury, but they're getting close. Possibly, we'll learn more. No comments, nothing from the jury, Terry. Court watchers tell us, hey, every day brings us closer to a decision, but still no verdict in the Holmes case. So the jury will be back here for day five tomorrow morning. Day four of jury deliberations in the trial of Elizabeth Holmes, sandwiched right smack in the middle of the holidays. So they're coming back in two days after Christmas to rehash all this stuff. So far in the four days, we've had two jury requests of the judge, one about instructions, another asking to re-listen to an interview Holmes did with a group of well-heeled Theranos investors. What they're essentially doing is trying to refresh their present sense impressions. The jury's present sense impression is what they felt and thought and heard and saw when that was originally presented. Now, jury watchers tell us four days without a decision doesn't necessarily mean a deadlocked jury, but they also say they're hopeful it comes soon. And let's also remember, you know, come on, in some ways, whether you're sympathetic to Elizabeth Holmes or not, this poor defendant has now gone through Christmas, may have to go through New Year's not knowing her fate, which could be decades in prison. Wow. Again, jurors will be back here at the federal courthouse in downtown San Jose tomorrow morning. We will be there to let you know if they come to a decision. Now, the judge had said last week that this week court could be closed for the holidays, but jurors apparently said they wanted to come back to deliberate. So here we are again. Yeah, they want to go fucking home. NBC Bay Area News. I feel bad for the fucking jurors, (laughs) not not fucking Elizabeth uh, Holmes. So there's a couple charges here too. And it sounds to me like if they wanted to listen to an interview, a specific interview that she did, they may not be, it may not be that like the, the problem is, you know, oh, some people think she's, you know, not guilty. And some people think she's guilty. The, the thing they may be sticking points on the different charges. Right. True. Yeah. And, and maybe they're, uh, they're, you know, in those deliberations, someone wanted to re-listen to a certain amount of certain piece of evidence. Right. Um, so why not? Why not get it right? Make sure that you're recollecting things correctly, right? Like everyone has their notes and their their memories. Um, yeah, let's let's make sure that we heard that interview, what she said or what was said correctly. 
Um, well, so we'll see. We will obviously keep you posted on down ballot. Tune in weekly, but the the verdict may come down before we're on the air again next. So, um, we really hope that poor Elizabeth Holmes can you know, survive the next week of not knowing during the holidays whether she's going to spend a bunch of time in jail, or she's going to get off with a slap on the wrist, or if she's going to get off. Um, if I was going to predict. I would predict she will be convicted, but she will not spend any significant amount of time in prison. I think you're probably on the right track there. Um, and also, you know, consider where she's spending this awful week of not knowing, right? At home, right? on Out on bail, you know, no ankle bracelet that I know of. Um, you know, meanwhile, like anyone else or, a, you know, a non-white blonde person um, would more than likely not be as lucky and might be spending all this time or maybe they couldn't afford it, you know, maybe they had gone bankrupt, um, you know, would be in jail now waiting this verdict. So it could be a lot worse for Elizabeth Holmes. Could be a lot worse. She was spending the holidays with friends and family, not knowing what was going to happen to her while someone else who got caught with a little bit of cocaine is just in jail. Correct. And can't see their kids for 25 years to life. Right. Right. Or whatever, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, even if, even if the charge eventually gets thrown out because the judge is like, I thought you said they had some cocaine. This isn't very much cocaine. We're throwing this one out. <laughs> oh, you drop. Oh, the, the officer dropped the cocaine accidentally in your apartment. I'm so sorry. Well, thanks for the 25 years. All right. So we got uh, what is before we start? What is COPA? That's C-O-P-A. Uh, so uh, or Copa actually, I think is Copa? how, how it's like the Copa Cabana. You, you can do it either way. I think I think either way, like Copa Cabana. Uh, it is the Community Opportunity to Purchase Act. I want to say I think that's what it is. It's a, a policy that um, cities and I mean, other municipalities are adopting um, that call for any for uh, you know certain properties or all properties like single family homes, even I suppose. Um, if the property owner is selling, uh, they have to first. They would have to first either list the property on the registry of some sort, or uh, have other, another avenue of um, offering the property for sale at a reasonable price to uh, community members, nonprofits, collectives, um, or the city itself, uh, uh, in order to create more land available for you know affordable housing, um, etc. Uh, primarily affordable housing um, to try to, pre try to prevent the rising cost of land and, and real estate. Um, so th I think in theory, you know, this, this is something that was thought around, uh, uh, thought about applying to, uh, you know, more dense areas, more urban, quote unquote, urban downtown kind of core areas. Um, but it's also being considered broadly too. Um, so there's a uh, friction developing between, as you might imagine, <laughs> landlords, uh, housing or, uh, landowners, um, and advocates, um, for, for affordable housing. And we're going to find out more about that developing friction here. As cities search for ways to keep housing within people's reach, a new tool is being considered to help. The goal is to give tenants and housing advocates more muscle in buying properties. And KPX5's John Ramos has the story. As the affordable housing struggle continues all across the Bay Area, the absolute right of property owners is being challenged. Good. For more than two years, the people who live at this apartment complex in Oakland have been staging a rent strike against their landlord. They've held marches and protests, and on Friday, they won. The property owner agreed to sell the building to Oakland's Community Land Trust to become permanent affordable housing. Well, it's a big win. It's like 
a light in the darkness right now. But some communities in the Bay Area are not waiting for landlords to agree. They have been considering what are called Opportunities to Purchase Acts, or OPAs, that would require property owners to give tenants, cities, or housing nonprofits the chance to buy before selling on the open market. If the offer is refused, it could still be offered on the market, but housing activists would have the right to match the highest offer and buy the property. If we have that, um purchase opportunity for tenants, uh, the struggle will, will be less, the, um, it'll be much easier. East Palo Alto is considering one of the most stringent measures. In its OPA, it would include all home property, including single-family housing, as long as it is not owner-occupied. East Palo Alto sees it as a way to meet its affordable housing goals, but property owner and real estate agent Jennifer Liu says the bureaucracy involved with OPAs could add two months to a home transaction, driving buyers away from the area. Good. People can wait for such a long time. So out of frustration, the probably someone who can afford a $3 million house. Money soon is likely to sell to this uh, tenancy or the non-profit at a discount. She says okay. the affordable housing the OPAs will create are the homes whose value they diminish. Wait, I love how she just described the point of the regulation. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You just described the point. Good job, right. real estate agent. <laughs> Well, obviously, th she thinks it's bad. So, um, you know, it's, it's all about perspective. Cities see OPAs as a way to preserve affordable housing in perpetuity. The ordinances are also being considered in one form or another in San Jose, Oakland, and Berkeley. In East Palo Alto, John Ramos, KPIX 5. So there you go. Primarily designed for tenants, right? So say you live in a, a rent-controlled apartment complex, right? An Aplex or a Tenplex, something like that. Um, and the uh, landlord's going to sell the property. You'd have an opportunity as tenants to couple some money together, maybe get some, maybe get some loans together and buy the property. So um, I, I see, I see a, a pretty good way to do this in, I'd say maybe a four unit or higher, like you have the city backstop the purchase and then as mm. people pay their rent, which is a percentage of the mortgage, yep. they gain equity. So then you move out yep. of your apartment and instead of having you coming out of pocket for it, you've got a little bit of equity in that fucking building and you have that to go, you know, get a new apartment or, you know what I mean? It like flips the yep. script on people who have to move out of a rental situation. I'm, you've moved yep. out of a rental situation. You, you're out of pocket I don't even know how many months rent. The last time I moved, I was out of pocket the month's rent for my last place, the month's rent here, my part of the security deposit, and all the cost of moving just to move down the fucking street. So right. if I would have been, if there would have been a situation on the other place where, you know, I was only there for, I think, three years or whatever, but that as, as a function of paying rent there for three years or whatever, there was some equity in the building and I, you know, take six, 700 bucks with me, whatever the fuck it would have been. That would have been fantastic. And if the building dramatically appreciates while you're there, well, then instead of your rent going up because of the fucking, the building appreciating, no, now you get some of that fucking money. Some of that's yours. Yeah, there's, a, there's a nonprofit out there called, I think, Landed. And there's, um, there might be others that kind of offer that opportunity where they, they'll come in and help you stake, help stake you on, you know, a down payment or a, uh, 
you know, that kind of situation. And they, they, their trade off is they get a stake in the equity increase right over the, uh, over the, the course of, uh, uh, you owning the property or you, you know, paying, paying into the, uh, the property. Um, so that when, you know, if you move or whatever, or if things change, you know, they, they get something, you get something, everyone makes out. Right. Um, yeah, this, uh, this, it does make a lot of sense. And I think that what you're talking about makes even more sense with a city coming in and being able to stake folks uh, like this. And then, you know, the city in the, in a way becomes the landlord. Um, but, and there is a, there is a bureaucracy created. It always is. Um, but uh, they can then collect, hopefully, you know, lower rents, more affordable rents, um, but more than enough to uh, make it worth their while to purchase the property, right. And pay off the property over the long term for the city, right? And the city gets equity and then they can share that equity, like you said, with the tenants um, to increase their wealth and their their buying power out there in the world and that and everyone's happy. Just imagine but, a scenario in which the um, value of the building goes up and as a function of that, if you stay, your rent goes down because mm-hmm. the entity that owns the building can refinance it now. Right, right. And, or their and their and their and their profit margins are better anyway. And at the end of the day, it's, if it's the city, you know, it's it's similar to a nonprofit. The city's not going <clears> to, <throat> frankly, be in in the business of trying to make a profit. Like a city is really just trying to break even, right? Uh, the cities just have to balance their budgets. So um, if you're, you know, if if you're cost, um, you know, cost neutral. Uh, in, in that program, then you're fine. So it's not like the city has to be charging exorbitant rents anyway, right? They just need to charge what it's what it takes to make ends meet. Um, so that's an even better situation. Um, um, but that but you do need to create a bureaucracy to manage all these properties and to manage the rent and the registry, and then also manage the registry of when properties become available, right? And have have you know how these landlords have to offer them, you know how long where they have to advertise things like that. So. It, it'll be interesting to see how this develops, but I guarantee you it's going to be a pain in the ass getting anything like this passed because who are some of the biggest campaign donors? Who are some of the, you know, the biggest, uh, 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 you know, neighborhood activists and leaders? It's landlords. It's, it's housing providers and developers and big, and big landowners. Right. But, um, these are the folks that contribute to campaigns and raise a lot of political hay. Um, so it's, and when you're asking elected officials to do anything, they respond to voters and money. Yeah, this this all seems great, but I have a feeling it's just going to be fucked. <laughs> it, well, it'll be water. I, I I could see. I could envision in San Jose. I can envision something like this passing in a very watered down state. Let's just say that. Like, it's not. It's definitely not going to apply to single family homes in San Jose. We'll say. I'll say that right now. <laughs> single family homes are already getting uh, slapped down by the state, right, with uh, SB nine and those those laws. So um, they're not going to. If if they have any local authority at all, they're not going to allow that to happen. Um, so, but I could see this applying in some sort of modified watered down way in San Jose. Well, at the end of the show, we always do something a little bit fun. Um, this is, if you ever got real mad at a relative, at like a holiday gathering, but you just couldn't assault them because that's a crime. San Francisco has a room for you. Here's the smash room in San Francisco. It's amazing. Way better than therapy. We're living in COVID still. It's a stressful time. People want to smash stuff. People want to get that aggression out in a new way. A lot more pent-up anger than I thought. That was a cathartic experience, I'm not gonna lie. TVs, furniture, printers, plates. Everything you can think of, we have here that you can break. 
the plates. Yeah, the plates are cool. And then once you let it all go, you're done, you're like, damn, that felt good. <laughs> Holiday shopping can be stressful, and we all have different ways we deal with that. Some people do yoga, some people meditate, but here, just a couple of blocks from the mall, there's a place you can relieve your stress with a sledgehammer. Gloves and goggles. Miguel Moises always knew he wanted to start a business. Let's put these on, please. One for each. But he never imagined he'd be handing out safety gear and giving warnings like this. Please do not hit the walls, the door, or each other with the weapons. <laughs> About a year ago, he was planning to open a bar. Here you go. That's for you. The sort of place where glassware is only broken by accident. But while traveling in Florida, he got some bad news. The permits were not going through because of COVID. Miguel had heard about the trend of smash rooms or rage rooms. It started from Japan and they were going crazy with it. And it slowly started coming to the United States. He found one in Miami, unleashed his frustration. I just went in, went crazy, and like I left feeling amazing. <laughs> came back to start his very I like him. Bay Area smash room. <laughs> He's cool. <laughs> Simple so things. Here you can see our breakables. We have some smart boards, some printers, some furniture. So these are all called breakables? Yes, okay. they're breakables. Meant to be broken, they will be broken by the end of the day. <laughs> Miguel says the breakables are all donated. Businesses with bulky garbage send it here where the customers can help make it a little less bulky. Of course, you're welcome to bring your own breakables, too. My old orchid pots. <laughs> it's meant to be a personalized experience. That old Cheaper than the dump. Wasn't working on you? Right. Come down and break it. How'd that feel smashing a laptop? Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. I wanted to break my laptop this morning, so this was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and you might notice a theme. A lot of people say they hate their exes. Ah! You might even surprise yourself. I'm more violent than I thought. But it turns out the urge to smash things runs deep in our genetic code. As a species, we evolved to deal with physical stressors. So, you know, can I get away from that saber-toothed tiger or that neighboring tribe that doesn't like me? Stanford psychiatrist David Spiegel says there's one problem with that urge. The thing is that most of the stressors that we feel now are psychological stressors, things I have to do, things I need to worry about. So you're ready to fight or flee when, in fact, that's not what you need to do. Spiegel runs Stanford's Center on Stress and Health. And yes, he says stress is higher around the holidays. Because you're adding all these other obligations onto the regular work and things you need to do in your life. So it's no surprise the smash room is packed with people just hoping to blow off some steam. Just the therapy of being able to smash stuff and break it and not have to clean up a mess. It's a huge mess. That's the best part, not having to clean up. Right. This, this guy has to clean it up. <laughs> comes up a lot around here. A lot of people don't like therapy and stuff, so they see this as the alternative therapy. And though some people are timid at first. All right, guys. I like nervous. Don't be nervous. They tend to Locking you in. <laughs> this is a good idea. And sometimes get really into it. A lot of boyfriends are scared of their girlfriends after they're here. <laughs> I'm now even more scared of her than I already was. For many, there's no denying it. She's got a smashing things feels great.
But is it actually relieving stress? In the short run, it increases stress. You're tensing your muscles, <laughs> you're getting your blood pressure up. Spiegel says there's no medical evidence it actually helps. But he has another theory on why it feels good. People don't like feeling vulnerable. Stress makes us feel vulnerable. And I think what happens when people want to break things is they want to be the breaker, not the broken. His choice to treat stress is hypnosis. And yes, he has an app for that oh, called of course Reverie. And you're my voice. Never mind, I don't like him anymore. It helps you refocus your mind. Is your body feeling comfortable? Yes, it is. With the goal of reducing your stress and helping you sleep. So many people wanted to just fall asleep that they said, stop asking me questions. I just want to be asleep. Then again, oh, there you yeah. go. It's hard not to sleep if you're dead tired. How many calories do you figure I'm burning right now? Honestly, you're going up to the thousands. Working up a serious <laughs> sweat with a 40-pound sledgehammer and learning new ways to use a crowbar. Stand right there and just play some baseball. Oh, yeah. Medically proven? Absolutely not. But at a stressful time of the year, some say it's what the doctor ordered. Yeah. It's definitely going to be an after holiday kind of thing for me, seeing all of the families all over. It's like, okay, I'm going to need to go back to the room and break some more things. <laughs> That was a great right. and another thing story. Yeah, I thought that was that was nice when we caught that. Uh, I think the night after Christmas over here. Um, yeah, so if you ever want to go to the break room, I'm totally down. I'll break some shit. I got a, I got plenty of shit that the good wife probably wants would like to see broken. So, well, I have to replace my DJ controller at some point here because Channel Three blew out on it the other night. Um, oh no! And it's not really worth anything anymore. Maybe I could fucking bust my old DJ controller in there. I'm guessing like the cost that you know I'm, I'm, you have to pay obviously to do this um, has to do with the disposal for the most part, right? Like and and rental in the space. But since they get all the crap donated, um, I'm guessing just they they have to take it somewhere at some point. All the all the scraps and pieces of everything. So I'm guessing it's all for disposal in those dump trips. That's great. That's great. I actually have an old laptop somewhere too that I wouldn't mind fucking. Oh, let's do it. We'll book it. We'll, we'll open one up. We'll get them to open one in San Jose or Campbell. Downtown Campbell sounds like a good place for a smash room. Oh, shit. Hmm. Let's find a venue. <laughs> we need a venue and a venture capitalist. Too bad the, the elephant bar is not still there. They, they tore the <laughs> building down. So. No, but well, we, they should have turned the elephant bar into a smash room and saved exactly. some money on the, de the, exactly. the demolition. <laughs> exactly. The structure is all down and now they're not building an in and out there. So what's going to happen? Smash room. Um, Cool. Well, hey, thanks for another wonderful show. Sorry we went a little over, but always in good, always with a good purpose. Oh, Chip DeVille's up in the chat letting us know there is a rage room in San Jose. Nice. All right, Chip, we have, you're going to have to take us there. All right. Speaking of Chip, we got local love up next. Thanks for listening to Down Ballot, everybody. We do the show live every Tuesday from uh, 730 to about 848. No. Um, and then right after that is local love at nine. Those are those times are Pacific. And in the evening, we uh, are going to play audible smoke. Uh, that's locals. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. Uh, we took a week off last week because I was exhausted and um, that's it. Welcome back to the show. And uh, this is yeah. Locals by audible smoke. And we'll be right back with uh, local love. So everybody hang out. If you're in the chat, peace out. <laughs>
It's time to get the party started Pick up my phone just to check and see who's calling Dress up real nice for the ladies at the bar And I'm driving in my car just to get to where they are Here at the local scene is where I plant my feet It's where I smoke my cigarette and I hold my drink I look at all my friends, they're all blazing greens Here at the front of the stage waiting for MTV Where are those guys who's standing next to me With a pipe in his hand ready to blaze for me About five minutes later we're all singing We left in the fuck up on stage and rock the scene Yeah, we do what we want and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. We do what we want, and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. I turn and head back to the bar for a refill, man, because you know where we are. We're headed out to the car. To smoke another one, and another one Now just when the magic starts kicking in Now here we left playing and you know it's time to head in Alright everybody, now it's time to grab a new drink Spark it if you got it and then pass it to me, yeah We do what we want And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Enjoy that band. Last up on the bill for the show tonight is down and dirty in five, so we're headed outside to spark up another joint. Now who's got my lighter? Stoner E, of course. Shouldn't you be inside? I'm all up in this bitch, being who I gotta be. I'm fucked up like the U.S. economy. The truth is, is that I don't think logically. Stoner E, take you on a psychedelic odyssey. Now inside motherfuckers is rockin' me And outside shit we smoke a lot of broccoli Rockin' the rolly, you the sexy girl be jockin' me Ain't too drunk to fuck, but I'll probably do it sloppily We do what we want, what we wanna do And what we want is to jam So sit back and enjoy the band We do what we want and what we want is to jam, so sit back and enjoy the band. Sit back and enjoy